This is The Waycast is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode as it's released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert, and you have been warned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This is The Waycast, the Andor edition. I'm Sarah Edwards, the resident Star Wars writer at Boardwalk Times. And I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist and podcaster at the Boardwalk Times. And today we're going to be recapping episode eight of Andor. And just no words, phenomenal. All of uh, the five episodes that we have been building up have led to this beautiful episode that we got yesterday. Peak cinema. Exactly. Peak cinema. Five episodes of Villa. That's exactly the best way to put it because it was worth, worth the wait. Yeah, absolutely. Like... I look back on it and sure, while I was watching the episodes building up to it, I was like, okay, when are we going to get to the action? But I was never bored or mad about it. And I'm just like, we're here. This it's time. This is it. I'm just blown away by how they did this episode. Yeah. It's funny. There's so many different ways to describe the things that happened in the episode. And someone I think put it best. Uh, I can't remember who said this or what, it's not the first time we've seen scrappy rebels infiltrate an imperial base, but it's the first time we've felt the palpable tension and danger, which is 100% what makes it work so well. That's so true. I feel like every other time that we've seen imperial areas being infiltrated, the tension wasn't as there. It wasn't as heart racy. It was like, okay, you know, we're, they're going to get out. It's fine. It's not going to be a big deal. Whereas this one, you really could feel how dangerous of a mission this was. It's funny because someone else said this too. And, and I was like, oh man, these people are coming up with these takes out of nowhere. They were comparing it to the fourth episode of Obi-Wan, which everyone has complaints about. Oh. And they said, it's interesting that in that show, they go to Fortress Inquisitorious, which is like, it's Fortress Inquisitorious. Like it's supposed to be really up there and it feels like there are no stakes whatsoever and here we are this like vault and yeah (laughs) it's crazy i was sweating wait which first of all can we talk about how the empire just stores everyone's payroll in a vault that almost anybody could access like someone could just easily blow through the railing and get those credits (laughs) yeah and it was crazy how the imperial officer guy was trying to lie and get them to not go down there. Oh, we have way higher security than that. And it's like, no. No, you don't. No. like If this you had higher security, you wouldn't be keeping it at that base. <laughs> yes. You would have direct deposit. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Empire don't got direct deposit. <laughs> Who are they to talk? But yeah, it was just is insane like super well directed susanna white directed uh, all three of these last episodes in this arc so it looks like not only are is each three episodes going to be a story arc each three episodes is going to be written and directed by a different team so that's really cool uh this this arc is really good obviously i mean where do you go from here but something tells you like we don't actually know what to expect anymore so there's two arcs left, so I don't know. It's crazy to think about six episodes left in this show. Jeez. I know. The first thing I want to bring up is how as the show has progressed, 
Andor has gotten a little more like rascally, not necessarily scoundrelly, but a little more rascally. You know, he he kind of walks around with a little more of a smirk on his face, a little more of like a distasteful mm, kind of face. And he he's definitely he definitely adapted more to the crew and got to know the crew better in this episode. But you can tell that he's still very much like, I don't want to follow the rules. I'm uncomfortable having to wear this uniform. Like he's overall just being not necessarily like a toddler, but much like a little rascal. I like that description because it's eventually what ends up turning the tide for him with uh, Skeen at the end of the episode. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we don't have to get into that just yet, but Andor seems to be teetering on the edge of, okay, I'm doing this for money, but also now I'm doing it for me. And I actually do care about the other people because he's given a choice at the end of the episode there. Oh, we can just end the mission right here. Or we can go heal this guy. And he decides to take the moral high ground. He decides I'm going to go heal Nemec. So, And I feel like this was that turning. That point was a really good like halfway point for us to realize that, you know, he definitely doesn't know what to do. But I think he's now starting going to start realizing that the rebellion is a good idea and that he needs to be a part of it. I think this is where his mood is going to change, even though he he gave the crystal back. And he's running away. We're not sure what he's going to do. But I feel like this is where he's morally going to turn and be like, okay, maybe maybe this is the way I need to go. Exactly. And it's interesting that the number one thing that people took from Cassian in Rogue One, the scene where he's first introduced and kills the informant, that seems to be a bigger part of his character than we realize. Like, he's killed two or three people now this way where just in cold blood and i think that's they're making that the crux of his character is someone who just doesn't really ask questions he's just like okay you're an inconvenience now like die wow okay (laughs) i also get the vibes that he just doesn't really think it through like he's working on adrenaline and impulse because like when he kills skeen you kind of see this fear in his face like oh what did i do and he's kind of frozen for a second of do how am I going to sell tell the others how am I going to get away with this what's going to happen I mean there there's definitely like a a part of him that while in Rogue One he is much I feel like he's much more put together in Rogue One but he's still kind of got the I will think on impulse yeah for sure I think in Rogue One what we're seeing is that put into some sort of control like them controlling the fact that he kills like that because he's an assassin by that point and it's like okay well uh in andor luthan calls him a thief like he doesn't call him an assassin they don't know he's capable of this like they know he killed two imperial officers and that's it oh and that's another thing i talked about this a little bit last week and now it feels like oh yeah that's that's gonna pay off really big is the fact that we still haven't seen stormtroopers. Yeah. And as people have said, one of the main reasons is so that you can see the faces of the people they're fighting in this episode. And it is insane to me that even though these aren't stormtroopers, these are some of the like best firefights we've ever gotten in Star Wars. They feel very real. Yeah, very absolutely. They're much more tense. The stakes feel much higher. It feels less like they're shooting at target practice and more at, oh, wow, th- these are other people. And you feel a little bit more of that moral consequence. Exactly. And I guess we can start 
talking about the actual sequence of events that happens during mm-hmm. this plan because there are a few elements that happen within the action that inform the characters but you don't know that until the end of the episode of course i'm specifically talking about skeen yes because there's a moment where Terraman tells him to give him cover and he hesitates and that ends up getting Terraman killed in the yeah. end which i'm like I didn't even think of that. Some people were even pointing out, what if he did that on purpose? Like, like not yeah. necessarily like say, oh, I'm going to get this guy killed, but more like, oh, if, if people die, I don't care because then I, that's more money for me. Like, or it's easier to steal the money rather. Yeah, exactly. Like he definitely had some hesitate. It was in his face when mm-hmm. they showed it right before he left to go help Vel. He kind of had that hesitated face, that feared face. And I guess now you can reciprocate it more as, oh this is an opportunity for me exactly exactly it's just all these details that pile up on each other but that was obviously like the big one was Skeen's betrayal because Skeen would fall under the archetype of like haha I'm gonna take the money except in this case he doesn't do it in an aggressive way and he thinks yeah he makes the mistake of trusting Cassian and Cassian kills him before he can even do anything because most of the time in these kinds of scenes they have like a one-off or he becomes like a like a main antagonist or something yeah. ridiculous but instead no they just kill him mid-sentence which shows you like how cold Andor is but yeah um just obviously we've talked about him the more interesting aspects of this heist are the things we were not expecting like the imperial engineer it's like okay we were knew it was going to be like some important guy but what I did not expect is to get the what was the name of the officer in charge? I forgot. Like or his like rank, the one oh, above Lieutenant know. Gorn. Um, well, whatever. The corporal? point is, uh, yeah, I I want to say I don't want to I don't want to say anything. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, that guy he he showed a lot of things in the most literal sense. Mm-hmm. He is just like Andor described. They're so fat and satisfied. Yeah, they don't think blah blah blah. So we see that literally, he's trying to put on this belt and it doesn't fit anymore. And then yeah. he does uh honest day's work and and dies. <laughs> like he has a heart attack because he works too hard. It, the stress from from you know lying or whatever was too much for him. And then it's the first Star Wars heart attack. It was pretty. That's crazy. true. Yeah, we've never really seen anyone fall over from. A common sickness that we have in the real world yeah. so that was kind of interesting and this whole heist setup was just the it was so telling of the group dynamic and how you know vela is a great example like she was so headstrong very much like we have to keep going and we this is probably one of the first times that we really saw her hesitation when it came to acting in the mission yeah no absolutely and just like i mentioned last week uh well rather the opposite of what i mentioned last week they finally made cinta way more interesting she lives yes. up to exactly what they said last week or what Skeen described her as being very like uh having very strong will it's obvious in this episode she's the one with the resolve like out of her yeah. and bell she seems to be the one that's like more fortified like more resilient and we see that because here's another excellent moment from the episode. So we find out that this Imperial guy obviously has a family. Mm-hmm. And even in the one tiny scene we get with them, we realize that like, even though, yes, it's still not like perfect family dynamic. And he isn't like some magic father. 
or anything. They're not cartoonishly evil or anything. And the kid is like, he doesn't seem to be too proud of his son, but it's still his son. And this Imperial engineer, immediately they're in a hostage situation. He says, let go of the boy. And it's like, oh my God, this is such a cool thing that it feels like we haven't gone before. I I can't believe I mentioned this uh, <laughs> on the podcast earlier. And it's finally being fulfilled where I said that so far what we've gotten from Star Wars when it comes to the Empire is either cartoonishly evil or a character who's going to turn into a good guy. This is just yeah. a random appeal officer doing something that is technically morally correct, but he still believes in what he believes. It's like, it's like what we were saying about Cyril, where mm-hmm. Cyril in some other universe may be like a rebel character, but because of his circumstances, he aligns with the Empire. So seeing a moment like that and then seeing Sinta just gun this guy down, yeah. I was like, I knew he was dead, but like I didn't know it was going to be her. And oh my God, <laughs> that entire scene is so intense. Yeah, I think the just intensity has really been upped in this episode you know there have been a lot of star wars episodes where you're on the edge of your seat you want to know what's happening but i feel like they've never been to the extent of episode six they have not had your heart racing and they have not had you being like oh my god i hope this works exactly because there's all these little things that stack up onto each other like whenever the radio tower guy figures out wait a minute this channel is still open. Why would this still be open? Yeah. And he goes and listens and he starts figuring out something's wrong in the vault. And another thing that goes into the setup, into the heist, the ritual they're doing with the Aldani, which by the way, I am so fascinated by this Aldani culture because from what I understand, this was very much reminiscent of when the British Empire was taking over Scotland. And oh. they did the exact same fur trading, like yeah. literally beat for beat in the episode where they were describing like, oh, we set up these outposts. Oh, we're going to destroy their culture. Mm-hmm. That is literally what happened in Scotland, in the Highlands. So what was fascinating to me is like in Star Wars, it's not like we're we're not used to seeing these other cultures. It's just it's the first time where it felt less of like, here's a, a culture and like cartoonishly represented and more like here's just a culture. And the way they did this episode, I didn't even consider some of this, even though it should have been obvious. Every time they showed a part of the ritual, it reflected what was going on in the mission. So, and I loved that. Yeah, I loved that parallel. I loved that it was going back and forth between the two dynamics. And then I loved when the eye was actually happening. That was just such a... The effects were so beautiful. The tension was at its peak. It was at its climax. And you're just holding your breath, hoping that this just works. Yes, it was some of the most gorgeous Star Wars VFX that we've ever gotten. I just blown away because there's so much craftsmanship in the show that you can feel like people have pointed out that whenever you see the TIE fighter pilots getting into their ties, you can see the eye reflected on the TIE fighter windows. It's just like, oh, that's so cool. And it was so cool to see the pilots set up in the TIE fighters. We've only ever seen that in Rebels, which is one thing, but to see it in live action, watch them having to get into their ships, having to start up, and the Mm. little lag of them trying to hurry but also falling behind was just so cool to watch as the eye is happening. It's just, it was at least to a magic moment. Like, the music 
the sound design, the visuals all combine whenever they're chasing uh, Andor and crew down the eye. And of course, our boy Nemec, uh, he, mm. he almost made it. He almost made it. But of course, he was wearing a red cap earlier in yeah. the episode, just like, you know, red shirts from Star Trek. You, you yeah. know, this guy. If we anything, like the, the deaths that happened in this episode were very sudden. They were very, yes. they just happened. We didn't dwell yes. on them too much. Nemec's death is probably the one that we focused on the most because we see um, the doctor covering him. And it, But all, all of the other deaths are kind of just, they happen. We're not yeah. going to look back on it. We're not going to think about it. We're just going to, they're going to happen and we're going to go. Exactly. Which I think adds a ton of uh, layers to the episode. It literally, does, yeah. it's part of why it was so intense. They kill Gorn instantly. And I mentioned it yesterday. So this isn't something that I, that I want to like get people excited about, like in a fake way. It was just a hunch I had where I'm like, the fact that Gorn technically dies first makes me feel like we haven't seen the last of him. And then he, yeah. the next scene we would ever see him in is being interrogated by the Empire. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. It was just like a, like a what-if scenario of like, that does make me question, like, because he dies so quickly. I'm like, yeah. Wow. But well, otherwise, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Just we, I mean, we've also, much. I think we're lured into that thought because with Echo, for example, Echo in the Clone Wars went to go take a ship. His death was so sudden and then it, that was it. And then, oh my gosh, he comes back a few seasons later. Um, I'm trying to think of some other character. Maul. Maul gets cut in half and True. very sudden. He's gone. We don't talk about him again. And then he comes back later. So Star Wars has a very good habit of quickly killing someone off and not really checking to see if they're dead or more, you know, looking back on their death and then just bring, bringing them back later. So yeah, I think it's definitely realistic to have that idea that Gorn could come back. He was a former stormtrooper, so who knows? They may realize, oh, he used to be one of us. But you're right; it, it may be nothing, it may be something. Yeah, the I mean, at least he got a really cool line before he went. Yeah, I'd rather be subjected to whatever punishment than seven years working under you. Like, damn, okay, <sighs> this guy is really going for it. But yeah. yeah, I, I, every single death except for like Nemex was like truly shocking to me because they came out of nowhere and that's the product like the price of war even the way they kill some of the imperials i'm like that makes blaster shots feel a lot more aggressive and less like yeah haha because it really you could feel the tension in every scene like whenever they said covering fire it felt like there was real covering fire instead of just people firing in random directions to look cool on the camera it felt like yeah. there was real tension there oh like Much when more organized it, yeah yeah like when andor's getting choked out on the ship and you're like, oh, my God, like they're fighting. And then you're like, oh, Nemec can just shoot this guy in the back instead of the cheesy scene. You were there's like slow mo or like he shoots him in the head and then there's like a smile or something. He just keeps struggling until Nemec gets the shot and then kills the guy. But it's like so much intensity there. Yeah, absolutely. I also like that this really did feel like a midseason finale. I mean, yes. it, it ended very well. It ended part one. It was a great way to conclude part one. And now we're left with this. What is there to do now? What do we do now? What happens next? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was surprised we saw Mon Mothma and Luthen at all. Me too. Because for the majority of the episode, it was just from the Rebels' perspective. So 
I was surprised that they closed out the episode with that. It's like, hey, don't forget that this storyline is still going on in the background. It was very, very smart to save it to the ending because they're not the focus of the episode. Obviously, the heist is the main focus. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, uh, we didn't even get to see Cyril. We get to see a no, little bit of Nero. No I definitely do understand why they had a see Luthen. Because mm-hmm. Luthen has no idea what happened. He hears the rebel attack and he thinks it's successful where w- the beginning has begun. He doesn't realize how much he they're flawed now. How much is now at stake because, you know, we've lost, what, three, four of the original members. Now there's three left. Yeah, yeah. Especially with Vel, people have pointed out there seems to be some history between him and Vel. Like, yeah, some people want to think that they're related. Like, oh. she's his daughter or something. That could be a twist. Uh, I'm not so sure, but yeah, that that could add a lot of stakes. Like a lot of why he's he had, he's been so excessively worried. Um, last episode, or it could just be that he's like hoping the mission just goes really well, and he hopes he picked the right people, which is a part of it, but. Yeah, Luthen gets his little Joker moment at the end of the episode where he that was great. He laughs, but then he breathes a sigh of relief, and people were reposting that yesterday like crazy on Twitter. It's like me after watching the episode. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, honestly, how can I live, laugh, Luthen in these conditions? <laughs> I love that so much. It's like honestly, how can I live, laugh, Luthen after this episode, dude? Like, yeah, like so we've lost much. so many of the characters that the, that's one thing that i've noticed is there's only a handful of characters that get to be consistent throughout the whole show you know we haven't seen bix and we haven't seen aunt petunia i forgot her name but we haven't seen either of them come back they were both two three episodes only and same with this little rebel crew only a handful of them got to be in a few episodes and now they're gone so it's like who who's gonna be next who are we gonna see next yeah, for sure. I, I'm also like, I don't even want to talk about characters that we could possibly see because at this point, I just want them to surprise me because of yeah, how me too. excellent this is. Like, I already know there's a character, um, not like a big one because he's on the poster and stuff, but a character that's like, I'd rather not even talk about it. I just want it to just happen where it's like, oh, wow, like surprise me. And there's the thing. Um, but it, in terms of things that like have happened where i'm like characters can return it's like you said bix i think and marva that that's her name mm, marva, yeah i that's think what it is. they're due to come back and yeah i think that this is where things are going to go badly for them because mm. we saw how the isb was just scrambling and they're like oh how could this happen blah blah, blah. and I, I bet you both cyril and miro are gonna connect the dots and notice that ferrix and aldani are connected and ferrix is gonna get stomped on like it's not gonna be pretty because the empire has already stuck their ugly hooks into it and uh something interesting i did not know this till yesterday rebels takes place at least season one at the same time as this oh wow some people were like this is almost like i can't believe this is happening at the same time as yeah ezra and zeb are going to get some melu runs and then (laughs) and you got this intense heist going on halfway across the galaxy but that is one fan servicey thing that people are wondering if they'll ever play which is ezra's message from the end of season one that would be interesting um that would be interesting i don't know if 
I, I feel like we're not quite at the point in our Star Wars shows where you're going to have to have seen Rebels to understand what's mm-hmm. happening. I feel like Ahsoka is going to be the show where mm-hmm. you have to see Rebels in order to understand. I think Andor maybe will give us a little taste of Rebels, but I don't think it's going to be in the form of, oh, here's a character or here's a main storyline. I think it's going to maybe be a small mention or something. Yeah, no, the, I I can totally see that being how they do it because they haven't been big on like we're gonna just reference all the big stuff. What what they did end up doing this episode and what they've been setting up is the Gorman massacre. Yeah, that having Mon Mothma be so like specific with that and having like oh I want to introduce this bill and you see how the Imperial Senate's not really. They're not really paying Senate. attention to her. Yeah, it's not really Senate, and they're all more, way more interested in the news that, oh my god, like, violence. So, yeah, yeah, it shows you why they disbanded the Imperial Senate eventually, but it also shows you, like, this Gorman conflict that eventually leads her to, to straight up denounce the Empire publicly is being built up in this show. So it's like, wow, there's just layers upon layers. Um, It's crazy to me. And, uh, the only other thing I guess I can say reference-wise, and this isn't even a reference, whenever the TIE Fighters were chasing the uh, ship, it reminded me a ton of the new Dune movie. There's a part where mm. the main characters are flying away from enemy, uh, I forgot what they're called, but these other ships, and it's like a use the force Luke type of moment, <laughs> but it was the same situation where they're like going into like a sandstorm, and of course the main characters survive by flying a specific way and everyone else dies and except in this case um they're not using the force they're using technology that the empire has no advantage of they they don't know how to use it so rest in peace nemec and (laughs) i'm glad he gave his manifesto which he literally titled it after cassian too he did i'm curious to see what's inside that manifesto and i really hope we get to see what he wrote i mean just from the beginning of this episode i knew nemec was not going to make it out of this mission they focused way too much on him and anytime someone starts to get a little poetic in star wars i'm like oh you're gonna die yep yep this dude was dead like as soon as he opened his mouth in the third or fourth episode is like this guy is so dead but yeah but he went out with a bang and he did people think the manifesto is going to be another turning point for andor he's going to resist it at first but oh yeah absolutely he's not going to take it to heart until a little while later yeah for sure because we still have another season left of this show so they could not even fulfill andor's entire character arc in this one season there's still something left to go so yeah, there. I mean, that's another thing is like how how much of Andor are we going to get in season one and what's going to be left for season two? Yeah, yeah, it's like bits and pieces because I don't even know what to think about what's going to happen next week. All I know is that the uh, ISB and then the cops probably are going to get onto these guys and yeah. there's going to be an active chase. I still think Luthen, I worry for him, but me too. Luthen, Luthen's going to be in some big trouble, I think. I think he's the character that's going to get it the most because Cassian manages to evade the Empire up until Rogue One. So, yeah, true. It's more intense for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to see 
who comes back next week. But with that, thanks for listening to this episode of This Is The Waycast. For more Star Wars content, head over to BoardWalkTimes.net and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BoardWalkTimes. This is The Waycast is a BoardWalk Times production produced and edited by me and Giovanni Delgadillo and music by Kevin McLeod.